Welcome to episode 19 of Continuous Quality Compliance. Today I'm talking about Regulation 18 staffing. CQC cannot prosecute for this, but they can take regulatory action. To meet the regulation, providers must provide sufficient numbers of suitably qualified staff. They also need to be competent, skilled and experienced to meet the needs of the people using the service at all times. You also have to ensure that the staff receive the appropriate support, training and professional development as well as supervision and appraisals that are necessary for them to carry out their role and responsibilities. CQC are also looking for you to support them to obtain further qualifications as necessary and provide evidence of this. You also need to be making sure that if you are members of a regulatory body like the GMC, NMC, GDC, that those professional standards are kept up to date so you can continue to practice so there should be checks done to make sure that their GMC, for instance, their GMC um, is in date. And if you're members of associations like the HCPC, Babicom, then you should be looking to make sure you're meeting those standards as an organisation. And it's really good because if you're a member of those organisations and you're meeting their standards, uh, it means you're, you can use the evidence for both, you know, to show those associations that you're meeting their standards but also use it for CTC so you're not having to do the work twice. What CTC are looking for is that you have a systematic approach to this so you need to sort of determine the number of staff and range of skills required in order to meet the needs of the people using the service and keeping them safe at all times and the approach that the organisation takes must reflect current legislation and guidance where it's available um, to determine the number of staff you need and the range of skills that are required to meet people's needs. You also have to consider the different levels of skills and competence required in your organisation. How many registered professionals do you need? How many uh, support workers do you need, for instance? And what are the leadership requirements? You also should be looking at your staffing levels and skill mix on a regular basis and adapt them to respond to the changing needs and circumstances of people using the service. Or in terms of providers undertaking diagnostics and screening, the type of reporting you are doing. To enable you to do this, one of the things I think is really important is having a robust induction in place because you really want to prepare the person for their role. You should also ask for feedback on the induction so you can make improvements on it. I've never had a great induction. The worst one was turning up, turning up and being told the person who was assigned to me was on holiday for the rest of the week. The thing is, I could have started a week later if they'd told me I was quite happy, I was flexible, flexible when I started. All this did was give me a really negative view of the company because I was left to fend for myself it was just after Christmas, a new year, and there weren't that many people around anyway. Um, and the thing is, it was a big corporate, and I expected them to do a lot better. In my other roles, I turned up, and there was no one there even to greet me. Came into an empty office. There wasn't even a, hello, sorry we're not here. Welcome to 
the specialty. I do understand that this was in a hospital and the staff were on wards, but just a little welcome note would have gone a long way. Luckily, I've been working in this hospital for a while and I had just moved specialty. So I did know my way around the IT system and got on with whatever I could do at the time. But it did make me feel rather unwanted and unwelcome. Staff should be supported to have training as well. CQC will be looking for how you are monitoring training and they will always ask for a training matrix. Now this is one you provided as well because they want you to think about what training staff need once you start taking them on board, the level of training, how many times that manager training has to be refreshed. All that should be in place. You should have a process in place even if you don't have the staff in place. You should also be looking at any additional training which may be required. A good example is when a client of mine was bringing in tablets to be used by staff for their IT platform they were using. It was a good move to go paperless, but they hadn't done the prerequisite work on the competency of their staff and the ability of them to use the tablets that they were now given. Some staff did, didn't know how to use the tablets, but others were floundering because they didn't use IT at home. They barely used a smartphone. And rather than put the hand up and say, I need help, I don't know how to use this technology, they start blaming the platform. Now, I wrote an IT competency checklist for my client and it was told to staff that by completing the form it would help the company to know the level of staff, support staff required. What this did was it gave the staff who weren't very good at IT the ability to say they didn't know how to do XYZ and for them to get the appropriate support in their IT skills and then the support and training on the actual platform. And this is really important. You can't assume everybody in your company know how to use IT. You know what they say about making assumptions. So it's always good to have a checklist of competency for different areas of staff. But at the end of the day, I'm a great believer in giving staff the tools to do their job properly. You can't just expect people to turn up, give them a tablet, and for them to know how to turn it on, turn it off, and how to actually log into the platform. Where you do have registration with a professional body, providers must make sure that the staff are able to meet the requirements of the relevant professional regulators throughout their employment. This is for their continuous professional development. You also have to bear in mind the Equality Act 2010 in, when you're looking at governance, because that's important as well to make sure you're treating all staff on an equal basis, that for any staff who may have a disability, that you are putting reasonable adjustments in place. All this is really important. Staffing is really important. What you have to do is also make sure that not only are the staff fit when they start job, when you recruit them, but also what CQC are looking for, that they remain fit to do their role during their employment. So that's why it's important to regularly see when you're doing supervision, what training they need, what extra training they need. Maybe they're doing something. Maybe you've got a, a new user or a new kind of scan you have to do for diagnostics. And, you know, what skills do the people need that you'll have working for you? Have a look at that and then what support can you give them? And that's really important.
And I think it also makes staff feel uh, valued when they're supported in their personal development. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review the podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes.